Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer, episode number 126. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And today we're going to be talking about chapter 33 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, that being fight and flight. Yeah. Not yeah. fight or flight. Fight and flight. We're going to do both of them. But do we? Someone is. Okay. Before we do that, let's talk about what happened last time in Chapter 32, briefly, which was Out of the Fire. Harry wakes up mid-test from his latest vision, this time about Sirius being tortured. Wait, he was sleeping in his te- during his test? Yeah, he didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. Well, that's not good. It's not very responsible is what it's not. No, Hermione would be throwing a fit. Dumbledore's gone, Hagrid's gone, McGonagall's been transferred to St. Mungo's. Harry ends up telling Ron and Hermione everything about what he's been seeing, and Harry is looking for a way to get to London to save Sirius. Hermione thinks that Harry has a saving people complex. A little bit. Luna and Jenny come in and quickly get caught up on the drama. The group decides to help Harry try to communicate with Sirius via Umbridge's fireplace again, but of course they get caught. Umbridge rips Harry's head out of the fire and loses her mind. We also learned that Umbridge was the one who sent the Dementors after Harry in the underpass earlier in the book. Snape is called in to fetch more Veritas Serum for Umbridge, but he claims it would take a month to brew. That she used it all. Harry drops a hint to Snape about Harry's vision. Hermione uses her acting skills to lure Umbridge away from the school by claiming that Hermione knows where Dumbledore's special secret weapon is being hidden. That's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like a lot happened in this chapter, though. Mm-mm. I like this chapter, though. It was a fun chapter. Because it was super short? Um. It, well, first of all, it wasn't super short. It was pretty <laughs> short. It wasn't like, uh, you know, a five-page chapter or anything like that. Yeah. But I liked this chapter because there was a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not have progressed the story super far but there was a lot of action in this chapter i like the fact when the bad guy kind of gets their comeuppance a little bit that's always a good feeling because this book this book has been so dour it's been so everything's bad it's just piling on yeah it's like we take one positive step forward and two negative steps back with everything that's happening but it was kind of nice to see Umbridge, who's just been such a bad person. (laughs) And we learn even more about her in the last chapter, that she's even worse than we thought. That to see her, you know, get a little 
see Hermione and Harry get a little retribution against her was was kind of nice, even though it didn't plan out exactly as they hoped. Yeah, there was some fighting, there was some flighting, but all all things told, it was uh, it was nice to get a little bit of uh, positivity for the good guys. Win one for the good guys because there hadn't been a lot in this book. No, and it seems like. From book one to where we are now in book five, there's been less and less than that in each book. First book was very, had a lot of uplifting, positive stuff. A lot of fun. Yeah. Learn to fly broomsticks. Yeah. Figuring out this whole new world. A lot of the bad guys kind of, you know, if you're a jerk, you usually get some kind of payback. But as evil has increasingly taken over more of the, the wizarding world as the books go on, it's been more and more negative. And we've talked about how these books kind of grow up real quick. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that line of demarcation is always the death of Cedric. Where this book kind of goes, oh, we're having fun in the Triwizard Tournament and there's all this stuff going on. And then, bam, we're in the cemetery. And just like that, Cedric is dead. And yeah. from then on, it's, it's very adult, more adult themes. That's the first death of a student. Mm-hmm. We had them get kidnapped and petrified. And there was one that died, you know, back in Hagrid's time. When he murdered, but we didn't, but that, not during Harry's time. And Moaning Myrtle's more of a... A fun character. Yeah, comic relief almost. Yeah, you know, I'm dead, but I'm really funny, like Peeves. <laughs> I'm dead, but I do all kinds of funny stuff. I still love when we went to Universal and I had to go to the bathroom. I was in the women's bathroom and you could hear Myrtle crying and talking to herself. And That was just a, a girl in the stall next to you. <laughs> oh! <laughs> she was having a really bad day. But we were at Universal Studios yeah, in Harry Potter World. Mere coincidence. It was probably because she didn't get picked for the wand thing. Ooh. Yeah. And that is my fault. Yeah, it would be your fault because you, a grown woman, <laughs> did did the whole song and dance at Ollivander's. And there was these little children there who wanted to get picked. Unfortunately, Ollivander did not pick them to participate in the, um, the wand ceremony. I got picked. Yeah. Kind of makes you a bad person. No, I didn't pick me. <laughs> You wanted to be picked, though. I, everybody that, wants to be picked. You Daniel. put that energy out into the universe, and it repaid you. Everybody at wants the expense to be of picked. some poor children. They were probably brats, though. Who Kids are we kidding? Get picked for everything. Who are we kidding? They probably didn't deserve it. Probably not. Uh, let's talk about this chapter, chapter thirty-three: fight and flight. Harry has no idea what Hermione's plan is, which went into action at the end of the last chapter, and. We know, or all we know, is that Harry and Hermione are being walked at one point by Umbridge. The rest of the crew is being held hostage by Umbridge's evil hall monitor society, and Hermione has cooked up some plan on the fly. You know, Harry and Hermione don't have their wands. They're back with the evil hall monitor society as well. And something that... I noticed when, during the walk, the long walk through the castle and out past Hagrid's hut, the author couldn't help but take some shots at Umbridge's conditioning and and weight. (laughs) 
physical condition. Yeah, she was she was huffing and puffing. She was running to keep up with the kids who were walking, and well, she has short legs. She was stumbling over things with her fat little feet. <laughs> Just couldn't help getting some shots. Just so you know, this is a bad guy. So we can make fun of her. We can make fun of her physical physical appearance because she's bad. She's bad, and it's okay if they're a bad guy. But you really get to see, not that we haven't seen it before, but the cleverness that Hermione has. You got some, like I... a book's cleverness. Say book's cleverness. 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 <laughs> it kind of sounds like clavicle. Clavicle. <laughs> clavicle. I was actually, I know he's not doing a whole lot of thinking here, but I remember being a little proud of Harry for for being aware. Like, he was like, I needed to walk, like, one step behind her because I didn't want to look like I didn't know where we were going. And he was really thinking it through. Like, how can I help sell this? Good for him. And I was proud of him. Good for him. He's doing the bare minimum, but I was proud of him. <laughs> the thing that kind of stuck out for me as far as Hermione showing that clavicle Cavernous. <laughs> as they pass Hagrid's hut, Umbridge wonders if the weapon is being hid in Hagrid's hut. But Hermione even kind of plays on Umbridge's biases by insinuating that, oh, Hagrid would be too clumsy to have a dangerous weapon hidden in this place. He would probably accidentally set it off. And that, the depths and the deception. The depths to the deception, I should say, of the lie and the how particular Hermione gets with the lie. And like I said, kind of playing on the fact that, well, Umbridge does think that Hagrid is a big, dumb oaf. So I'll kind of play into that. Mm-hmm. And that will be easy to convince that'll her. Be, that'll sell very well with Umbridge because... She already thinks that. She are, also, you're, let's just get those feelings right up to the surface. Yeah, we know that you we'll are. You have your biases. You are very racist. You are, you know, a, a very uh, just an, an unkind person to people that are different from you. So I'm going to play into that. And Hermione, the fact that she's you know, a teenager and is thinking on the fly like this, this in depth just really goes to show, you know, just the depths of her creativity and the depths of uh, her ability to be able to play people, for lack of a better term. Play books cleverness. Cleverness. Clavicles. And her cleverness. Books clavicles. So Hermione has something planned involving the Forbidden Forest and leads Harry and Umbridge into it. Umbridge, of course, makes the kids go first. Mm-hmm. It's a dark, scary woods that yeah. they're not supposed to go into. Not because she doesn't know where she's going, just because she do- she wants because the she ministry, wants the cannon fodder up front. Because the Ministry values her life more than Harry's. Right. She so we need flat hum- out says that we need human shields. And Hermione's plan doesn't involve much stealth. Hermione's purposely trying to attack attention, uh, attract attention, and she ends up getting what she wants. And as a warning shot, arrow sticks into a tree just over her head. <laughs> she knows that 
she's gotten what she wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Centaur or, Gang. At least she thinks she did. <laughs> the Centaur Gang has arrived, around 50 of them. And we know from a couple chapters ago that the Centaurs are not tolerant of visitors in the Forbidden Forest, especially lately. Yeah, there's been a rift. Uh, Umbridge's interaction with the centaurs in the scene is very telling when it comes to her character. Uh, sum up kind of how she interacts with the the centaurs here. It really couldn't be worse. No. Um, she, well, they did ask who she was. So she identifies herself, but she does it in a very obnoxious way, very... I'm the senior undersecretary, and I'm very important, and you're not, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And then she starts citing laws to them and basically saying that they should be grateful that the ministry lets them exist and and use that forest, but it is not their forest. It belongs to the ministry. She just insults them every which way, keeps calling them creatures. And then says, of near human intelligence, and just literally insults them every way possible. And she does this, too, while she's also super fearful, Mm -hmm. which we haven't seen that side of her yet. She's the one who's always struck fear in so many others, especially in that last chapter, that very scary scene in her office. Yeah. So this is a different side, kind of like the scared almost um not not really begging for her life but she's very very uncomfortable in in this situation and you wouldn't think that 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 would come out of her you you would think that the way she carries herself and the way you know she has this air of authority about her that she would feel more confident in this situation, but she's really not. I don't think so. I think that the, this whole denial thing with them not believing that the Dark Lord is back, I think that's all fear-based. So I think everything she's doing is out of fear. And I think she puts on a big front and a big show, but I think it's because she's actually scared. I don't want she's horrible and we despise her but i don't want to compare her to like a dog but i that's the psychology i know like the little and she's little and short and squat so i know so now you're making fun of her appearance (laughs) you and jk rowling man she's the bad guy we can do it um at work we call uh voldemort snake face nose man oh i was gonna say you make fun of you make fun of your co-workers too No, I mean, well, no, maybe a little. You're just a boy. No. You're just a mean girl. <laughs> Snake face nose man. What day, what day do they wear pink? They wear pink on Fridays or pink on Tuesdays? No. The mean girls? Oh, the mean girls. I was <laughs> like, we don't do that. <laughs> on Tuesdays, we wear pink. I'm probably getting the quote wrong. Probably. I don't know. Some day of the week. Um, but I just, I kind of picture the dog that's behind the fence in the structured mm-hmm. life and he can talk a big game and bark and carry on and I he's very confident in his little world but then if you get him out and a big dog comes around then they cower and shake but they're still kind of growling and fear but that's just kind of what I was picturing you ever see that video it's I don't know if it's on Facebook or TikTok it's the the two dogs just like barking 
vigorously at each other through the fence. And then the camera pans like six feet over and there's this big gaping hole in the fence where either one of them could easily go through and make good on all the threats that they've been giving. <laughs> but they're not going to, but do they're that. not, they don't want to do that. They, they just want to talk a big game. They don't want to actually carry through, uh, carry through on that. There's a couple other, there's a couple more where they actually like, it's a rolling gate and they roll the gate out of the way and the dogs just immediately stop. Like, whoa, this just got real. There's one with like a sliding glass door too. And (laughs) the one is like kind of jumping on the door and when the door moves, he falls through and then he has to like hurry up and go back out. (laughs) It reminds me of all the keyboard warriors on the internet that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the worst thing about social media. Is the good thing is that you can connect with people from all around the world. The bad thing with it is that ninety percent of the people on there are, are horrible, horrible, just horrible people, and everybody can hide behind a fake name or a fake profile picture or a fake location like that they're broadcasting from, and everybody is just horrible to each other. Things that they would never say face to face to somebody. Yeah, I was gonna say horrible people who wouldn't dare act wouldn't like dare. that in public. Wouldn't dare. Well, I would say that until the pandemic. Now the pandemic has happened. A lot of those people dare. Like I don't know what's what's wrong with them now, but there's a lot that people are people are, have been feeling their oats quite a bit. Uh, I would say the last. Seven or eight years, uh, people are definitely more comfortable with being horrible in public. But there's still a large amount of the population that will only do it behind the safety of a keyboard or behind a, a hidden IP address or something like that. And uh, one of the things that you said a few minutes ago, I want to come back to you mentioned the word denial. And you know what they say about denial? River in Egypt. It ain't just a river in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we going for that or we have yep. something else? I don't nope. understand. We're going with dad jokes. That's okay. what we're doing here. So, the back to the dog scenario. Umbridge is All comes out. back to dogs with you. Yeah, always. She's out of her yard. She's <laughs> in the stranger's yard. Mm-hmm. She's got nobody to back her up. You know, even inside Hogwarts, she could just like write a letter to the ministry and be like, this is what I want to do. And they'd be like, sure, go ahead. Like, she had that backup. And when she went after Hagrid, she, she know, had took, back- took her crew literal with literal backup. Come when, help her. When she was in her office just now, she had her backup. Yeah, so now she has no backup. She can't very easily contact the ministry and get help. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of out on her own. Yeah. And she's getting a little panicky. Doesn't have the home field advantage either, no. so to speak. Like we said, she's super fearful, very ignorant, very indignant. Feelings of superiority of coming out, like you said. You can definitely see how she gets along with the Malfoy family, <laughs> based on the things that she's saying. But if Umbridge were smart here, she would. If she really wanted to be smart and get out of the situation, she could stroke the ego of the centaur. She could placate them if she wanted to. But she's not physically capable no, of that. No, she's not. Maybe, maybe even beg to be allowed to leave. But she's got to get racist and specious? 
speciest. <laughs> um, She's, she just can't help herself, like yeah, you said. She could easily have like spun some almost a, a version of the truth that these naughty children have hidden something dangerous in the woods. I'm just out here to try and find it so that nobody gets hurt. Like, you're even looking out for their safety. And I apologize that we're trespassing on your... Oh, yes. She we'll... could, even if she doesn't feel that way, this... she could just say it, but she just can't, she can't. help herself. She can't. She has to put them down. Can't help herself. So, Umbridge ends up actually attacking one of the centaurs and immediately gets swarmed by the rest of the crew and drug away into the forest. And it looks like Hermione's plan is about to go off. Pretty much without a hitch. Until the centaurs start asking why Harry and Hermione were, leave, were leading Umbridge into the forest in the first place. Why doesn't Hermione just lie here? <laughs> why can't she just lie? Because I don't know. Like We've done so well. She obviously has no trouble lying. When and it, she was there the last interaction and saw how tense right. it was. That's why she knew this would work. Yeah, I mean, even though one of the centaurs said she led them in here, she mm. could still have been like, she forced us, though. Didn't you see her yeah. wand we don't have our, our back? Yeah, we don't have our wand. We wands. don't have our wand. She, she a- was forcing us into the woods. She thinks there's something here, and she wanted us to lead her to it, but there's nothing here. She just she forced wanted to use us, us to as, as, you know, human uh, shields, you know. We're just foals. <laughs> just children. She could have, but she didn't. Why does no. she? Why does all of a sudden she had to get so noble and tell the centaurs that she basically lured evil Umbridge into the forest so the centaurs would take care of Umbridge for her? She's got a very analytical brain. Mm-hmm. How, how did her analytical brain think that brain think that that was going to work? I don't know. Other than she thought they're very just and noble uh-huh. i mean the one said we're not friends i but that is who she's got the most contact with she did see that they were very hostile with hagrid and stuff in the forest but again they said we don't hurt the foals so i think she thought it would be okay she didn't realize what she was implying by saying i knew you'd help us i knew you'd it's not like they're just out there saving the day, superheroes running around the forest saving children and foals because they're very against anything that puts them in servitude to humans. Well, just when it looks like Harry and Hermione are going to suffer the same fate as Umbridge, Grop shows up, and Grop is looking for someone named Hagger? Hagger! Hagger! We know he's talking about Hagrid. But not only that, but Grop remembers Hermione and even kind of remembers her name. Yeah. Well, Hagrid changed it to Hermie. Yeah. So he does remember what he was told her name was. Mm-hmm. But he said, can we? Can you just call you Hermie? Because Hermione's a lot. So we're seeing a bit more humanity, for lack of a better word, in Grop. But he's still very feral mm-hmm. at this point. But the fact that that Grop obviously had, despite beating the, the tar out of Hagrid every time he saw him, obviously had some kind of positive connection with him. You know, everything that Hagrid had, had done leading up to that point had refe- reflected, at least in some way, positively on Grop. Absence makes the heart grow fonder? 
and, and <laughs> Grop obviously was is able to remember Hermione after only meeting her once and make that connection and remember her name and everything and remember that she's friendly with Hagrid and that Hermione might know where Hagrid is. So we're seeing some growth in Grop's character, but like he's like I said, he's still very wild. He's still very feral. He's not like the giants that were actually able to have communications with with humans that we some of the some of the leaders that Hagrid we saw. Said he was still very young, mm-hmm. and he does act very toddlerish. Yes. So maybe that's part of it. Gotcha. Uh, Grop knocks one of the centaurs down in his uh, panic looking for Hagger, which is all the centaurs needed to start their attack. And this part was a little gross for me. (laughs) The description of the 50 arrows going into Grop's face, and then he just broke the arrow shafts off, which puts the arrowheads deeper. (laughs) And that's pretty gross. You don't read a lot of fantasy, babe. No, I don't. I don't read that that smut that you and Jennifer are into. You know, I'm just Jennifer. Oh, don't hold your arms up like you're innocent in this. Just Jennifer. Okay. Okay. I'll go through some of your books on the shelf later on and see what I can rustle up. I just need to hide one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to look very, very hard for that book later on. Uh, fortunately for Harry and Hermione, this distraction gives them a chance to escape. So there's your flight part of the... No, I think it was referencing the thing at the very end. No. No. Because they don't run very far. No. They're not fighting, they're flighting the situation. Uh-huh. There's no actual flight going on. There's the discussion of flight. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, on. do they actually flight, though? Yes, they do. Away from the trouble. They don't very far. They just take a couple of steps and, and then every, they run into everybody. Okay. We'll have an intern. Look it up. Look up the actual distance that they stepped away. I'm sure Kelly's got it. Like four feet. Mapped down. Oh, four feet. Yep. They, they, were only, they were only four feet into the forest. No. They came and found them. Okay. Uh, Harry has a line that unnerved me a little bit. As they're escaping, Hermione makes a comment about Grop and says, oh, no, he might kill them all. And Harry says, I'm not that fussed, to be honest. It seems a little out of character to Harry. Mm, I don't think he's, like, truly serious, though. But in the moment, he's agitated. You know, he's not happy. Kill him. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. So he's turning into Umbridge, is what he's saying. wants all the centaurs to... To die because they're all beast. No, I mean I admit that it was in poor taste, but I don't think he actually meant it. I think he's just bitter at the moment. In poor taste, Harry. It's too soon. Uh, Harry has also given Hermione a hard time about the plan that she executed. Is but he, that was the thing. That was the one I thought was more I, cringy when he started getting mad at her. Yes. Did he? Does Harry really think that there was a better option? No. He just, especially on the spot. He gets this crankiness in him and when i don't know for lack of a better term he can't see the forest for the trees (laughs) (laughs) he's got blinders on when it comes to to some things and doesn't really think out and maybe that's just part of being a hormonal teenager 
But and Hermione I, saved him from whatever unforgivable curse that Umbridge was about to use on him. Mm-hmm. With with quick thinking. And had Hermione just lied to the centaurs, <laughs> this would have worked pretty good. But Harry's thinking that there's this perfect world where they could have not only gotten out of that situation, but like teleported to London immediately. And he's just not he's he's thinking very irrationally here. And I know that he's a boy. Yeah. And, and he's a hormonal boy. And they do think very irrationally. That he wants to do and if he's not doing that thing, everything else is frustrating. So you're wrong. just describing every student that's ever yeah. <laughs> stepped into a, a school. Yes. Many of which you've worked with. If I'm not doing what I want to do at this exact time, I'm going to. There's going to be heck to pay. Uh, when Harry and Hermione get out of the forest, they're surprised to be greeted by Jenny, Ron, Luna, and Neville. Uh, how did these four escape the evil Hall Monitor Society? Because they're secretly awesome and nobody gives them enough credit. Uh, Wait, uh? I think I think Ron gets the sufficient amount of credit. <laughs> okay. Well, then the other three. We've talked about how Jenny's underrated. Jenny is severely underrated. Yeah. There are so many little comments about she produces like the most powerful jinx of this or the mm-hmm. most powerful spell of that and and we never it never really like comes to the forefront where it's like see told you this whole time mm-hmm. told you jenny's super powerful it's just these little comments throughout the whole series and it never really comes to light mm-hmm. and really shoves it in your face but if you notice it it's there so i'm guessing that harry's secret defense against the dark art lessons paid off Yeah. And backfired, because now they all think they're superheroes with him, and they want to go fight with him. So, the situation that they were in, the the four of them were in that room with the Evil Hall Monitor Society. The Evil Hall Monitors had everybody's wands, right? Mm-hmm. Including Harry and Hermione's. So, there had to have been, before these jinxes were done, in order to or hexes or whatever, in order to get out of that situation, there had to have been just a little bit of, like, old-school physicality. Yeah. I, like like the like the old, when somebody's holding you from behind, you stomp the instep of their, of their toe and kind of give them the back elbow. I'm thinking there was, like, Throw some, your head back into yeah, their nose. I was thinking and, there was some headbutts and fists. Well, and, Jenny had scratches all down her yeah. face, and Ron's lips bleeding even worse. So, Neville had a lump on his eye, mm-hmm. on his eyebrow. So yeah, they there were some. So there was there was there was a throwdown before there was actual, you know, magic mm-hmm. uh, taking place. Um, I think in the movie, which is so sad, we'll get there. But I think in the movie they talk about, oh well, so and so had some of the Weasley boys, the twins, candies. Mm-hmm. You know, they said puking pastels or something, and one of the Slytherin dopes was like, oh, we got candy, I want that, and he took it, and then they all got sick. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's just, it's just not fair that it plays these guys down. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to have this movie, and nobody's going to believe that Ron and Neville and Jenny and Luna got away, so let's give it something else. 
No, they, they're capable. So as we wrap up this chapter, Harry is still dead set on getting to London as soon as possible. Uh, Harry is also dead set on the entire group not going. How's all that play out yeah. for him? Once again, as always, Harry's just going to go by himself. And then Ron and Miney are like, no, of course we're going with you. And he's like, okay, fine. But nobody else is going with us. And then I kind of love, too, that Jenny's like, I'm going. And Ron's like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny's like, I'm part of this. Like, I've been in more troubling situations than a whole bunch of you. Mm -hmm. You know, probably everybody except Harry. And, you know... Harry and Sirius have a special relationship, but Ron doesn't have any more relationship than Jenny does. You know, they were staying at Sirius' house all summer. They got to know him pretty well. They hung out there. I have even spent more time th- with Sirius than Harry did. Because Harry wasn't there all summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know I, we'd have to calculate the hours. But, you know, she does. She says, I have just as much interest in being serious as you guys do. And think about, I mean, the, the greater cause that they're kind of fighting for right now. They've seen their dad was almost killed as part of, you know, this evil movement that, that Voldemort is trying to, to bring back up after years of, you know, peace in the wizarding world. They almost lost their dad because of this. They've seemingly... Uh, lost their brother, Percy, you know, to the dark side <laughs> that is the uh, the ministry. And we know that the ministry is very anti-Dumbledore and by extension Dumbledore's army, which they're in. You know, Jenny's very, has a lot of personal investment in what's going on right now. And I think she knows that she's capable and she knows what she's already survived, and she doesn't want to sit on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And who can blame her? And then you have Neville, who does not have a personal connection to Sirius, but he's aware of what happened with Mr. Weasley. Mm-hmm. And, and also sure is he... very invested in the goings-on of the Dark Lord and what he's planning. I'm sure he associates that with what happened with his parents. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, couldn't save my parents, yep. but these Harry helped save Mr. Weasley, and I can help save Sirius so that my friends don't have to have no parents like I did. I mean, Harry still does have no parents, but you know what I mean. We talked about Harry's saving people complex, the hero complex in the last chapter. And Harry feels like he needs to do a lot of these things on his own. But if he really thought about it, he would see all of the personal connections that that people that his friends have to the bigger fight here. And I think that it was the was it the scene with Jenny in the library where was it last chapter or the chapter before where she kind of snaps at Harry and says, look, I've been through stuff, too. You know, you're not the only one who who's got a dog in this fight, so to speak. You know, I'm, I also have had things that I've had to overcome and trauma that I've had to, to work through and I'm still learning and I'm still fighting. So it's not just about you. It's about all of us. And I think that's what the crew is trying to get through to Harry here. Harry seems to think it's 
more personal for him. It's worse for him because the Dark Lord sought him out to kill him, but mm-hmm. then instead killed his parents. And I think that's also part of the, his complex issue is because Voldemort wants him dead, but other people keep ending up dead. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of guilt sure. to weigh on you, too. Sure. And then the other thing is if he lets them, if he says, okay, you guys can come, and something bad happens, mm-hmm. like he even kind of words it, fine, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. Like, don't put this on me. Don't won't be my fault when something bad happens. But I still want to mention uh, Luna doesn't have a big connection to this, mm-hmm. like that we know of. Like, why does she want to do this? I can totally see why Neville would want to go. Yep. Totally see why Jenny would want to go. We, I don't, I don't know what happened with Luna's mother. Maybe she was killed by the Dark Lord. Then maybe that's somewhere, canon somewhere, but it's not in the books, I don't think, mm-hmm. explained. But, um. I think she just wants to hop on a Thestral. Yeah, she just wants to go for a ride. So, that, how are we getting? How are we getting to London, Jess? We fly, of course. <laughs> it was like, you twit or whatever. Like, <laughs> some of us have our brooms locked up. And the, the magical flying cars hasn't been seen. seen in a while. The Impala, I believe it was. But these Thestrals, apparently, are really good at getting you where you need to go. Yeah, and they're drawn by the scent of blood, which oh. apparently Ron, er, Harry and Hermione are covered in. Yep. Grop's blood. That rained down on them. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably some blood, too, for the from the fisticuffs that took place in the... Yeah, Ron's bleeding. In the office, yeah. So apparently all these Thestrals are showing up, and of course only a couple of people in the group can actually see them. Yeah. But we know they exist, and apparently they can uh, get you where you need to go. They're like Hertz Rent-A-Car. Yeah. Just show Built up when you need GPS. them and get, they, get where you need to go. You just tell them and you go. Maybe it's an Uber. Uh, yeah. Thestral Uber. Yeah. Because you just tell them and they I take hope you. they don't I hope they're a little bit safer than some of the Uber drivers I've been in cars with. I don't know, these are wild horse animals. horse animals. I don't know. There's there's some car, there's some trips I've had that I would have rather you know, rode a skeletal wild horse animal <laughs> than some of the Ubers I've been in. I just I I feared for my life. You were fine. I was fine. You were fine. I I was fine. However, at the time, I wasn't so sure. Uh, And that's the end of chapter thirty-three, fight and flight. We don't have any emails this week. Anything you want to add about this chapter before we get out of here? No, I'm just excited. Excited to be almost done with this enormously long book. No, to get to the next part. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing. If you do have something you'd like to say or a question you'd like to ask, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. You can email us, email us broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on X. Why is that so aggressive? It used to be Twitter, and you would tweet, 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 tweet thing, and now it's X. And you... You gotta exit out. 
You can follow us on X at Broomsticks B. That's Broomsticks followed by the letter B. No spaces, no underscores. We used to tweet you. And now we X you. That's so weird. Because it's because Elon Musk bought it and he wants to be like really tough. Really cool. That's why the logo is like black and silver now. Like the Las Vegas Raiders colors. That's X. So dumb. Boys are dumb. Mm -hmm. You know that. Some boys are are dumber than others. Uh, You can also reach out to us on Instagram. I believe it's Broomsticks B Podcast. All one word, no spaces or anything like that. Broomsticks B Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Just look for Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Until next time, thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Special shout out to Jennifer, Catherine, Luke, Amelia, Jane, Ronnie, Anastasia, Kelly, and Olivia. And until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Forget. Bye. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns in.